Welcome to another edition of Opera for Everyone. Today's opera is The Barber of Seville by Giacchino Rossini. I'm your host, Pat Wright, and I'm joined today by Patria Fossil. Thank you for joining us, Patria. Some of you may recall that Patria was with us to do the entire ring cycle, and now we have opera's greatest opera buffa. Let's listen to this amazing overture, and then we'll be back. Thank you. 
listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And that was the magnificent overture to... The Barber of Seville. The Barber of Seville. I'm Pat Wright, your host, and I'm joined today... Patria Fossil. Thanks, Patria. Wow. That, that just gets your blood pumping, doesn't it? It's so beautiful. Rossini, he knew his stuff. He apparently wrote this overture before he wrote the opera. For a different opera, or for two different operas, is what they what they tell us. And they had he had to insert this, unlike so many overtures that we're accustomed to, that take snippets of the music throughout the show. This stands alone, and it it had to be inserted. I read because they lost the overture during rehearsals that he had written for this. No way, that's crazy. It is crazy, but in the bel canto period. The composers were known for rapid composing. Yes, I think he did this in like three weeks. Under three weeks. I think he Under. had eight, 18 days was wow. what he had from landing on the, uh, the actual concept to pulling it together. So he and his librettist worked quickly. And it's a libretto not out of thin air. It's based on something. Well... This is sometimes described as a prequel to The Marriage of Figaro, which was Mozart's opera from the century before. That's right. But the story actually comes from a French author named Beaumarchais. Playwright. And so this is Figaro before he gets married, and he's uh, a very clever fellow. He's a barber, and in those days, barbers did hair and wigs. They also pulled teeth. They acted as go-between between lovers and jack of all trades letters yeah the guy who could get anything and everything done can we talk about this Beaumarchais character for a minute the, sure. the playwright of the the creator of Figaro and Bartolo and all these other characters in the stories and these characters will appear in this story just as they did appear in Marriage of Figaro but they're younger here and the, the lead female in this opera, Rosina, she's the countess in Marriage of Figaro and, and feels like a very different character in that opera from here. So it's sort of fun to see her as a young girl. So it's a little confusing because it was Mozart's opera from 1786, Marriage of Figaro. And then this does not premiere until 1816, but it's the characters, it's from the first play. And opera goers most likely knew yes. The Marriage of Figaro. And it's probably like all the movies we have today, Star Wars and all those are having prequels made. So Rossini was making a prequel to Marriage of Figaro. They were amazing characters. And he was not the first to take up this play by Beaumarchais, this one that preceded Figaro. By the way, just I'm going to say quick parentheses. There's a third. It is a trilogy. The third one is called La Mère Coupable, The Guilty Mother. And someone tried to write a, more than someone probably tried to write an opera, but it, it never quite had the traction of these other two. Of course, it didn't have Mozart, it didn't have Rossini. Right. But just want to acknowledge there is a third play out there by Beaumarchais. And Beaumarchais first wrote this story before Marriage of Figaro. It makes sense chronologically as a comic opera and tried to get it presented, they rejected it. Interesting. He reworked it just to make it into a play. Aha. Uh-huh. It took Rossini to make it a, well, I can't even say that either. It took, a, it took an Italian to make it into a popular opera because there's a precursor composer who, who actually composes a very successful Barber of Seville based on this story. 
Yes, so the original opera, Barber of Seville, was premiered in 1782, still 18th century, and it was composed by Giovanni Paisello. Before we talk a little bit more about Paisello, I'd want to say just a few more words about Beaumarchais because he's such an interesting person. I've not read an entire biography based on him, but I have read books that include him and their books on the American Revolutionary Period. Oh, really? He was a huge supporter of the American Revolution. Ah, did Benjamin Franklin have something to do with that? Well, when Benjamin Franklin was the ambassador over in Paris, he kept trying to get close to offer his services because he wholeheartedly believed in these ideas. And and a lot of the ideals of the American Revolution, of uh, equality of all men, not having distinctions of nobility. Those were ideas that he embraced, and you can see them easily, I mean, probably more easily even in the Mozart opera than in Barbara of Seville, but with these characters, you can see that, that idea, and those are the idea that motivate so many of the people in the French Revolution which, of course, is happening on his home turf. So do you see it mostly in Rosina, then, and uh, being in the very char- independent? That, that is a piece of it. Also, really, the character of Figaro himself, this wily servant, the servant who's smarter than the nobleman he serves or the, the more educated person that he serves. And in this particular show, our hero is Count Almaviva, but of course, in Marriage of Figaro, Count Almaviva is the one who's too full of himself and gets made fun of aha uh-huh. so yeah just the fact that the, the the better man the more capable man the smarter man is not necessarily the the better born person there's there is a lot of class consciousness and mozart doesn't shy away from it nor does rossini but it's more it's stronger in the mozart opera and, I think. and you talked about it a little bit in cinderella too in that podcast right right in that rossini opera la cenerentola there's also that sense of class consciousness and that the worth of the individual is what matters, not how one is born. And this is in the Romantic era. Yes, following on. So it's Enlightenment thoughts about equality of all men, but now moving into the Romantic period. And we get lush Romantic music. Let's meet our first character, Count Almaviva. Count Almaviva. He's a tenor. He's a tenor. Very handsome, very romantic. Right. In fact, his servant is organizing a bunch of musicians, quietly though, because it's before dawn, just before dawn. And that's how the stage fills up with singers and musicians, and um, he's getting everything all set for his master, Count Almaviva. And what he's wanting to do is serenade the lovely Rosina, who has a bedroom behind a balcony. Shall we listen? Yes. Oh, my God. 
offer for everyone. Today we're listening to The Barber of Seville by Rossini. And that was Count Almaviva. Actually, he's disguised. He's he's going to say that he is a poor student. Yes, Lindoro. Lindoro. Because he's wooing this beautiful young woman, Rosina, who lives with an older man, Dr. Bartolo, who is her ward but he actually is in love with her and would like to marry her too. But well, she's she's from wealthy circumstances, so sure he'd love to marry this pretty young thing, but he'd also like to get his hands on her money. Aha, I didn't realize that part of oh, it. Oh, yes. So here's Count Almaviva. We're in Seville, and he's from Madrid, I think. And uh, he's not local, but they've heard of him, and they kind of know he's interested in Rosina. So for a couple of reasons, he wants to disguise himself as a poor student. One is that, and similarly to Rossini's Cinderella, the prince disguises himself as his valet. Right. Because he wants... He wants to know if her love is true. Yes, and not Not based on his station. Exactly, exactly. So we have a similar plot here. So Almaviva, this this whole chorus, it's a male chorus, arranged by Fiorello, they are doing it for money. So the count pays them some money, but he doesn't pay them enough. So it's quite funny. They start making a lot of noise to wake up the whole neighborhood until he hands over more cash. And that, that's kind of a theme throughout this Cash opera. is always, little little right. purses of money purses are of always changing coins. hands. <laughs> Purse, purses of gold coins. So Rosina didn't come to the window, so it seems like a failure. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we meet the 
character who's in the title, the Barber of Seville. The Barber of Seville. And he sings probably one of opera's most famous songs. Most famous. Largo al Factorum. It's all about how wonderful he is, all the things he does. And then there's a very, very famous part of it that many people will recognize. So well, should we let's play and then maybe and we'll then discuss we'll a little more bit. About Enjoy Figaro. Per carità, per carità, una volta 
città Pigro Son qua Hey Pigro Son qua Pigro qua Pigro là Pigro qua Pigro là Pigro su Pigro giù Pigro su Pigro giù Pronto moltissimo Son come le forme Che sono fantasma Della città Della città Della città Della città Della città Figaro, bravo, bravissimo, amro, figaro, bravo, bravissimo, fortunatissimo, 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 fermerità, tra la 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 Well, that was Figaro. Meet Figaro. Wow, that's foot-tapping music. Right at the end there. It just makes the muscles in my face hurt to think how quickly (laughs) he had to enunciate all of that. It's unbelievable, isn't it? And this is called Coloratura, or are these a patter song? This is a patter song. song. This is a patter song. And there are going to be several that appear throughout this opera. Dr. Bartolo will do his own version of Patter, which is very impressive. But right at the end, so quick, so quick, Patter songs. Yeah, amazing. And it was so interesting when we were listening to another of your podcasts on Cinderella, and you mentioned Patter songs. So I Googled it and found out that because it reminded me of something. Yeah, and what it reminded me of was <laughs> Gilbert and Sullivan. Good old Gilbert and, and Sullivan. So, and uh, so they definitely used patter songs, but oh, I couldn't yeah. find any references that they were inspired by Rossini, but they must have been. They took from wherever they needed to take, yeah. I think. Um, haven't done a big study of Gilbert and Sullivan, but you know, all you need to know is... I am the very model of a modern major general. Yes. <laughs> and you got a patter song right there. Absolutely. But this is this is spectacular and it's not easy for the no. performer. So I saw an interview with an opera singer who said that he repeated the words to himself two or three times in the dressing room before going on just to make sure he had them. So I think with this and I guess we'll talk later about the coloratura, there's a lot of warm up involved for the singers. And I think apparently some singers have more natural ability to do this than others. So not everyone would be drawn to singing this kind of music. Well, that's one of the things that as I've continued my study of opera here with Opera for Everyone, I have discovered a bass, you know, there's a bass, a baritone, a mezzo, soprano. There are different types of sopranos, different types of baritones. So yes, you're right, the ones who can do coloratura, are not necessarily the ones who are doing the lyric singing. It's it's all different styles, and anyone trained in music knows that, but this is opera for everyone. Yes, and, and I'm learning, obviously, everything new, too, but I think that singers' voices mature, and they may do one type of opera That's at right. one time of their lives, and then their voices grow out of that, and then they might have to completely retool to go to another type of music. And I'm working on... <laughs> comprehending this all myself, but I'm told, and it makes perfect sense to me, that this uh, Rosina character, who is the countess in Marriage of Figaro, she's more of, um, she's a richer voiced soprano in in the, when she's older, and she's more of a, a light and lilting lyric soprano in 
in the this period where she's where she's just a very young woman. Interesting. Still Interesting. under the you know under the thumb of her guardian, the craggy old Doctor Bartolo. So Figaro's introduced himself. He's just he doesn't have to interact with anyone. He just has to tell us who he is and, and who is he? He's the Barber of Seville. He's everything to everyone. It seems from this song. So and he actually he actually is. So he has trusted relationships with many people in the city, which is important in the plot as we go forward because he realizes that he has access to the house where Rosina is is living. Because he goes in to shave the doctor periodically. And when he sings all those Figaro's why, well, the reason he keeps repeating his own name is because he's imitating all the people calling for his assistance. Yes. Figaro, I need this. Figaro, Figaro, Figaro. So it was sort of fun to learn that that's why we hear his name so often yes. in a song he himself sings. Yes, yeah, so he, he's being called by everybody, but he is also very pleased to be in that position. So oh, he's he's profited very much by being so, so important to so yes. many people. And in, he's a... A self-promoter, too. Oh, for sure. And so he's quite happy when he runs into the Count. Yes, because the Count has bags full of gold coins. (laughs) The Count has bags full of gold coins, and the Count has a a very real need that Figaro thinks he can help with. And Figaro is also a romantic. Yes. So he wants to help the Count be with the beautiful Rosina. Yeah, and it doesn't bother him at all that it's at the expense of the pompous Dr. Bartolo, who would just to soon marry the young woman and get her dowry. Yes. So, yeah, it all lines up for Figaro. He's, he can aid young young love, put a pompous guy in his place, and enrich himself. And make money, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, they sing a little duet about it. Da soldato, 
Da soldato, sì signore, da soldato, e che si fa, che si fa, che si fa. Oggi arriva un reggimento, oggi arriva un reggimento. Sì, e mio amico il colonnello, e mio amico il colonnello. Va bene, e poi aspetto dell'alloggio col biglietto. So he's going to run into the Count, figure out what the issue is with the Count, and say, oh, I, I know that family. I go in there all the time to shave Dr. Bartolo. And before we know it, Figaro's handed over his guitar to the Count and explains to him, tell, tell her you're Lindoro and tell her more about yourself in your next song. Yes, so they sing under the balcony, and this time she appears, and she immediately falls in love with Lindoro. Oh, yeah, she's... Right. She didn't have a whole lot of experience, but this seems to be true love. And we're going to hear Rosina introduce herself with her beautiful song, where she says, Oh, that voice I heard a little while ago. Cento bravo 
you're listening to the Barber of Seville on Opera for Everyone. And that was our female lead, the young and beautiful Rosina. And while she's singing, she's writing a letter to her love, who has serenaded her with the guitar. Lindoro. Lindoro. As she knows him, but he's really the Count. Yes, disguised. The Count disguised as a poor student. And she's fallen completely in love. So she writes a love letter to him. No mention yet of how it's going to get there, but one we step might at a guess. time. So now she's just written this letter. She doesn't know how it's going to get delivered, but in walks Figaro, the man who takes care of everyone's problems, the fixer. And and he says, "Well, what's what's wrong, my dear?" And she tells him that she's madly in love and she's trapped in this house and can't do anything about it. And Figaro's almost flirtatious with her. He's like, such a beautiful girl should not be in such a bad situation. And he says, well, I think we'll be able to figure out a way to solve your problem, my dear. And we're going to see more interaction later on between the two of them. But Bartolo comes in and Bartolo makes it very clear to the audience that he intends to marry Rosina. And then we have another person arrive. Basilio. Bas- Don Basilio. <laughs> He's a music teacher, but yeah. an older man, more of contemporary of Dr. Bartolo. And he comes to warn him that Count Amaviva has arrived in town, and they wonder if he is a secret unknown lover of Rosina. So they say, we have to get rid of this guy. How are we going to do this? And Basilio who is clever and scheming in a bad way. And trying always to ingratiate himself. Of course, there must be. I think the Dr. Bartolo has probably has some bags of gold, maybe not as much as the Count. Not as much as the Count, but he's got some. Mm -hmm. Yes. So Basilio said we need to invent a story that will disgrace him. And so how do we do it? And then Don Basilio has this wonderful aria about slander. Slander is a gentle breeze. And he's going to talk about how it starts off as a little murmur and it grows and grows as it spreads. Thank you. 
dalla bocca fuori uscendo lo schiabazzo va crescendo prende forza poco a poco Oh, the Basilio from the Barber of Seville here on Opera for Everyone, 89.1 KHOL. What do you think of that Basilio, Patria? Oh, he's a bad guy. He's, he's just like, let's slander him and get him out of town. Like, oh, you're, you're a nice fellow. Yes, that, the, the lyrics from the slander song are really fabulous. Well, what do you like in particular? Well, slander is a light wind, a zephyr so gentle that imperceptibly... Finally, lightly, gently, it begins to murmur, and he builds up to, finally, it overflows and bursts, multiplying itself and producing an explosion like the shot from a cannon, a tremor, a storm, a total confusion. Like thunder. And interestingly, that's reflected in the music I, that I hear anyway. Yes. And in fact, I've heard of what's known as the Rossini Crescendo. Crescendo ah. was not invented by Rossini, but he made great use of it. Oftentimes in this opera, he will use 
the same phrase, the same words, repeated over and over again with greater intensity, by adding more instruments and also by increasing the volume, and you get this crescendo, and it illustrates the idea that he talks about with slander. It starts out just as a little something, and then it grows and grows and grows. Yes. But that all gets deflated like a pin going into a balloon when the doctor comes in and says, yeah, yeah, I suppose so, but we don't have time for that. Oh, we don't have time for that. They so, need a different plan. So what does the doctor recommend as a solution? Getting a notary and writing up a marriage contract right yeah. away. Tying her up with legal matrimony. Yeah. So we've seen these marriage contracts in some other operas. I think in the Donizetti opera. Oh, all uh, over the place. In the Mozart operas. The regiment, Daughter of the Regiment. And, uh, so it's, it's a concept that's sort of foreign to me. but That's how it was done. Yeah. yeah. You get a notary. Marriage is a legal contract. Right. During all this, by the way, Figaro had absented himself. He'd kind of just hidden himself away. So he was not part of the scene, though he was hearing the scene. Yes. So he reports back to Rosina. Yes. Your guardian is intending to marry you right away. Yes. She's not too happy about that. But she, she's also not as distressed as you might think, because she's confident in her own wits and her ability to outsmart her guardian, which is interesting. So then she and Figaro kind of come up with a plot of their own. And he says, this poor man is is madly in love with you, but you must give him a sign to encourage him. Well, yeah, and he, she even has to tease it out of him. Well, who, who is he in love with? And he spells out her name very slowly. Oh, yes. We're not totally in suspense over that one, but nevertheless, they have fun with it. It's part of what makes this opera buffa fun. So he suggests she writes a letter, and she pulls out the letter that she's already written, and he's very impressed. He said he could learn some stuff from her. Yeah, it's fun to watch these two, because at first you think, oh, are they flirting? I'm confused about this. But it's really the like-mindedness of the two of them, the fact that they are both a little more clever and a little more able to manipulate the people around them than the average person. Yes. And so it's a it's a respect for each other's yes. intellect and ability. Yes. Not a romantic flirtation, yes, I yes. think. Though I think he's just kind of generally a flirt. Well, that's how he gets things done. Exactly. So Dr. Bartolo comes in and he talks to Rosina and he's very concerned about her having a conversation with Figaro. What did you talk about with him? So she has all these clever little answers. Oh, I just talked about French fashions, his daughter, you know. His daughter was ill. I wanted to be sympathetic. Yeah, all these things where it's like, And no send thinking. her some candy, I think, right? That's right. And he says, well, I bet he brought the answer to your letter. She's like, well, what letter in the world are you talking about? She says, well, there was an aria I wrote from a new opera called The Vain Precaution. Now, interestingly, when I watch this opera on various services, that is often omitted from the production. This reference here, the word vain precaution or useless precaution It will come up, but in the original libretto, it comes up repeatedly. Oh, interesting. Because that's the subtitle of the play that Beaumarchais wrote. Oh, I see. And, but Rossini has used subtitles in other operas. Absolutely. Like the Cinderella opera. That's right. But this one happened to exist before him, even, with Beaumarchais. 
And interestingly, when he premiered his opera, remember we said that another composer had written A Barber of Seville? Yes. When he premiered his opera in 1816, it was not under the title Barber of Seville. Oh, was it called Count Almaviva or just Almaviva? Yes, and The Useless Precaution. So he kept the subtitle. So this was Paisello, very popular. He had great many adoring fans, and his opera was called The Barber of Seville. Rossini even went so far as to write a very ingratiating letter to the aging Baisello saying, Sir, I love this material. I wanted to treat it. Your opera is unquestionably miles better than mine. So please don't take this as an affront, certainly no competition. And there was a similar sentiment in the printed libretto that they gave to people who attended the opera in those opening shows. And much as they tried, and they knew that it was going to be problematic, it didn't solve the problem at all. Because on opening night, this is one of opera's most famous fiascos, this opening night of Barber of Seville, then called Almaviva, or The Useless Precaution. The audience was packed. This is in Rome at the Algerian Theater. The audience was packed with Paisello supporters who shouted throughout the entire opera. And throughout the opera, there were all these horrible mishaps. At one point, one of the baritones trips and falls into a trap door and breaks or bloodies his nose. And he goes on to sing an aria with a handkerchief to his nose. At one point, there's a there's a black cat that jumps onto the stage. And <laughs> one of the actors is chasing it right. And, one of it's ch- and, and it ends up under Rosina's skirts. Oh my gosh. So it was just one mishap. And there were others, but there was one mishap after another. And They say you couldn't even hear the singers or the orchestra during the second half that the audience was so rowdy. It was so awful that Rossini, who was contracted and obliged to conduct the first several operas, called in sick the second night. Oh boy. But on the second night, a a huge crowd had amassed going through the streets with torches towards where he was staying. And he was terrified, terrified. And he tried to escape. But finally, one of his singers said to him, no, no, sir, no, sir, they're here to cheer you. So once the the packed audience of opening night of this other composer's supporters, once they'd kind of gotten that out of their system and people could actually hear his opera, they adored it. So essentially from the second night on, Barber of Seville was a hit. That's amazing. That's just so operatic, you know, you can't make this stuff up, right? The, The fact that he was trying to escape, but he, I mean, he knew... He knew it was a good opera, but the reception matters. That's very funny. Yeah. He, there, and there are even stories of great composers who heard the opera instantly knowing its greatness. Beethoven was a big admirer of this opera. Verdi even said, after he'd written his own opera buffa, Falstaff, right at the end of the 19th century, he said, it's the greatest opera buffa ever. Interesting. Interesting. And our wonderful curmudgeon, the great Richard Wagner, and how he criticized most everyone, he really appreciated the musical talents of Rossini. That's great to hear. Yeah. Anyway, so a bad start, but a good long life after. And to this day, it's it's probably considered possibly the best known bel canto opera, but certainly the best known opera buffa. Yes. Well, I have seen more of the dramatic operas, so this is really my first um, experience with opera buffa, and it was enchanting it's fun right it's just fun fun. and the the singers 
can really have a good time. And there's a lot of acting. There's in the production yeah. I saw a lot of physical comedy, slapstick almost. Absolutely. But and, and little bits of acting along with the amazing singing that has to go on. Yes. Those fast, fast patter songs. The cast I saw was a younger cast. They had a lot of energy, which I think you would need to pull It's this very off. physical. Yeah, it's definitely very physical. Okay, so back on stage, we have Bartolo confronting Rosina with what were you guys talking about? And then he notices her hands. What letter were you writing? You're, you have ink on your hands. and Well, I only have ink on my fingers because I, um, I burned my finger and I used the ink to cool it off. Oh, and, and or my embroidery. I was trying to make a pattern with my embroidery. Right, when he sees that she sharpened the quill and he, she's, she stops for a minute and she comes up with a response for that. I needed to draw a flower. And well, there's a piece of paper missing and she well, comes up with an answer I needed for that. to wrap up some sweets for Marceline. Yes. So, interesting. Very, very clever. But he's he knows that she's not telling him the truth, but he can't do anything about it because they're plausible lies. Yes. And so he wants to give her what for. And he tells her, I'm an important man, you know. And now we get Dr. Bartolo's song, A Doctor of My Standing. And listen for the patter. <laughs> Consolata, disperata. Pero se lo despacien. Pachapula que está morta. Corre tu pecho en la porta. 
for everyone a radio show and podcast that makes opera understandable accessible and enjoyable for everyone it airs sundays from 9 to 11 a.m mountain time on 89.1 khol in jackson wyoming khol is wyoming's only community radio station i'm your host pat wright joined today by special guest co-host patria fossil stay with us the second half of today's show is coming right up Welcome back to the second half of Opera for Everyone here on 89.1 KHOL. I'm Pat Wright, and today I'm joined by... Patria Fossil. Yay, Patria. Thanks for helping us with this fabulous opera buffa. It's been fun. Well, it has been fun. And it occurred to me, the entire first half went by, and I haven't yet mentioned the librettist, and that's, that's an omission on my part. I spent so much time talking about the playwright Beaumarchais. But our librettist here did amazing work adapting the work, and that's Cesare Strebini. 
He used Beaumarchais' play, but Cesare Stribini is our librettist, and he did a magnificent job. And I should also tell everyone which version of the opera we're listening to. This recording was made in 1971 with conductor Claudio Abado and the London Symphony Orchestra and the Ambrosian Opera Chorus. Rosina is played by Teresa Berganza. Count Almaviva is played by Luigi Alva. Figaro by Hermann Prey. Paolo Montarsola plays Basilio. And Dr. Bartolo is played by Enzo Daro. So thank you, everyone, for your beautiful work. Well, it's the beginning of the second half, and Opera for Everyone listeners know that that means it's time for the Opera Helmet quiz, and Patria has gamely offered to recap for us. Hit it, Patria, what's happened? Okay, well, thank you for mentioning all the characters. Um, I think I would start with Rosina. She's a beautiful young woman. She is the ward of Don Bartolo, or Dr. Bartolo, and he is interested in marrying her uh, now that she's probably old enough and there's probably would be interested in a, in a dowry because she did not come from a poor family. Then we have Figaro, who is the Barber of Seville, the name of the opera. We have Count Almaviva, who is in love with Rosina and has disguised himself as a poor student in order to woo her and test her love for him without the distraction of his title and riches. And finally, there is Don Basilio, a music teacher who's a schemer with Dr. Bartolo. And all kinds of funny things, people trying to deceive each other, the barber of Seville hiding and overhearing the plans. So it's it's a little confusing and a little chaotic, but We'll but see we've, what got, happens. we've got our good-hearted Figaro on the side of true love, which is Count Almaviva, whatever name he goes by. Yes. Count Almaviva and Rosina being helped out by Figaro, and then you've got Dr. Bartolo and, and basically his household and hangers-on. Yes. There are some servants that we haven't really talked about. They don't have large roles, but they add to the comic effect. And when we get to the end of the first act, and there's a little bit of confusion... That's an understatement. They will join in with the, uh, with the song to let us know how confused everyone is. Yes. So Because Count Amaviva not only disguises himself as Lindoro, that's for the purpose of wooing Rosina to make sure her love is true. He adopts a disguise at Figaro's suggestion so that he can get into the house. The disguise is that of a drunken soldier, and he has a letter saying that it's he's been ordered to be billeted in the doctor's house. So that's that, isn't it? And he plays it to the hilt, he the sure drunken does. soldier. He does, he does. And the doctor says, oh, no, 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 I have a letter of exemption. I don't have to be subject to random soldiers being billeted in my house but i love this the the count in the guise of the soldier says oh don't worry i'm i'm a medical man too i'm a doctor after all i'm the veterinarian for the regiment oh yes veterinarian (laughs) doctor and they just play this all up and it's 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 hysterical and every second that's possible rosina and almaviva who she thinks is lindoro try to steal moments together yes. to talk and share their love and and it becomes clear that he wants to marry her and 
that delights her no end. Yes. But because of the drunken, the antics of this drunken soldier who's acting. Right. Um, and Figaro has told him to pretend yes. to be drunk because yes. people are less suspicious of a drunk right. person. Right. They think that a drunk person is not as threatening as someone who, you know, might have all their wits about him. So Dr. Bartolo calls basically for the army to come. So we have a huge male chorus coming onto the stage now, too. And then we have this last scene filled with antics. Do we have time to play some of that? Absolutely. Oh! <laughs> 
that tenor you heard was our Count Almaviva in The Barber of Seville by Rossini saying, you guys think you're going to arrest me? Because everyone there believes he's just a drunken soldier trying to lodge illegally in Dr. Bartolo's home. And all of the commotion has brought the entire police brigade into the home of Dr. Bartolo. The Count takes the officer aside and says who he really is. So he shows op- him proof even, right? He yes, shows I him think he has documents or a, or a medallion. Yeah, of- I think it's a medallion. It depends on the production probably. So he takes this, the officer aside and the officer said, oh, okay, sorry, sir, whatever, you know, and they let him go and no one else can figure out what's, what's happened. And that's... Confusion reigns is yes. the only way to put it. And this is how the first act of this opera buffa ends, where everyone simply saying, I'm so confused. Because yes. none of it makes sense. And it's worth noting, if you're paying attention to the class element in ah, these stories, mm-hmm. that he gets out of any kind of trouble by proving his nobility. Mm. And the police are subservient the moment they realize who they're dealing with. So let's listen to a little bit of that sound-filled final piece of Act One in The Barber of Seville.
Opera for Everyone here on 89.1 KHOL. We are listening to Rossini's Barber of Seville. And that was a rousing end of the first act. Confusion reigning. Everyone's head is pounding. No one knows what's going on, except possibly Figaro. Yes, he probably does. Yes, I think he knows all the intrigues. But we're ready to start Act 2 now. Act 2, very quiet. The doctor in his house and there's a knock on the door and Count Almaviva comes in. But he in, doesn't look like Count nope, Almaviva. Yet another disguise. <laughs> this time he's disguised himself as a pupil of Don Basilio, the music teacher. And, and he's also a priest who repeatedly says peace and joy, oh, joy I didn't and peace. That. Yes, that's one of the whole songs is joy and peace, which drives Dr. Bartolo crazy. Well, because he keeps doing it yes. intentionally. Intentionally. Annoying. So he's, again, trying to find a way to get near Rosina and work on courting her. And you have comic opportunity there when Bartolo looks at him and says, your face I've looks familiar. I've seen that guy somewhere before. But he right? can't quite place it. And then... Uh, when Rosina comes in, she's startled to see him, too, because, of course, she does recognize him. And she screeches. Yes, she does screech. And she has Somehow. to pretend she's hurt oh, herself. Oh, oh, this is so funny. Yes, she pretends she has a cramp in her foot. Yeah. And so she limps around for most of the rest of the scene, but um, <laughs> staying in, in character. He calls himself Don Alonzo, and he proceeds to give uh, Rosina a music lesson. And Well, even before the music lesson, he manages very cleverly once he realizes his disguise is going to work he manages to get Bartolo in his confidence yes he uses the letter which he has mixed feelings about the letter that he received from Rosina and he shows it to Don Bartolo and said I think Count Almaviva is is around here somewhere and I got this letter. Are you staying at my hotel or, you know, whatever? Well, well, yeah, he got it from Basilio. doesn't matter. He he is in possession of this letter that she, in fact, has written, but he gives different meaning to the letter. Much different meaning. And, and tells Bartolo he's going to help him out. Yes. I'm going to make sure that that Almaviva, terrible man that he is, doesn't get near your ward. Yes, and, and so the idea is to have Rosina believe that the Count is just toying with her and that he has other love interests and that will make her fall out of love with him and of course the Dr. Bartolo thinks that's a great idea because he's feels like he's losing this battle against so many clever people 
That's right. It's a very funny part of the music lesson where Rosina says she's going to sing this aria from the title of a new opera, the rondo from the vain precaution, or useless precaution, sometimes translated as useless precaution. We heard about this opera within an opera before. And, exactly. Uh, and then, and the, it's the subtitle, the of, subtitle the, yes. of the play of the original opera. Exactly. And Bartolo even comments, what is it with this girl? She's always talking about the useless precaution. And she's just like, well, that's, that's the new opera and that's what I'm going to sing. And she begins to sing this and as part of this music lesson. And it is more or less explaining the situation that she's in. It's a few of the words against a heart in which passionate, enduring, true love has fallen. The tyrant's vigorous oppression and cruelty are in vain. Listening to Opera for Everyone, and that's Barbara of Seville's second act singing lesson, or at least part of it. And the most beautiful aria with a real great example of coloratura. That beautiful of, decoration in the singing. And there are certain opera singers who are known for being able to do that, and it's it's not all of them. It's a really beautiful example of it. Right, and that's what made in the beginning of the or in the first half of the 19th century the divas 
these sopranos who could do this. I mean, that's why diva means what it means in our heads today, the goddesses of the song. And they could command whatever they wanted because they had this ability that so few people had and the audiences loved it. Yeah. But then did some of that go out of favor for a while? Out of fashion, it did. Well, think about some of the operas that happened later, even in the 19th century. Think about Wagner. Wagner was... Nothing like that. As much as he admired the musicality of Rossini, he was not into decoration for decoration's sake. He kept everything moving along more smoothly and didn't really even try to break up between songs and recitative. Just the whole music drama should flow. Whereas, I mean, in my learning and at my level that I am right now, this feels like a a bridge between that development, which doesn't mean progress necessarily, just change. That the older, like the Baroque operas, all of the action, all of the moving of the plot forward would take place during the recitatives, usually just accompanied by a harpsichord. And then when the songs or the arias would take place, that's when the characters would explore their feelings. And this feels like it's it's beyond that. It's, it's certainly evolved from that. But we haven't moved straight into what people like Wagner were doing or Puccini later on. Yeah. Well, it's, it's very interesting. It's amazing to listen to. I wonder if people decided that it was a little distracting or a kind of a frivolous frill or... I think some did, yeah. But I, I, I love it. You have to really admire the singers who have to train themselves to do that and the amount of breath and precision that that takes so it's it's really an art form i'm so i I think your timing of mentioning the singing is is exquisite we didn't talk about this ahead of time because this singing lesson scene was famous throughout the run of this opera we've pulled things back a little more in the modern day but the divas the the people who would sing the rosina part would take the opportunity, because right after she sings this bit where she conveys that message, the doctor will say, well, your voice is lovely, but I can't stand the topic that you're on. And the singing lesson sometimes would go on much longer than it would in a modern version of this opera, where the soprano would choose selections from her greatest hits. Oh, and maybe even sing the Queen of the Night, for example. Oh my gosh. So they would just go go wild and oh, they that's would funny. They would pick it because they could kind of do anything. Oh, that's so interesting. During this singing lesson. It was just, I mean it's a funny, funny thought that yeah. they would just go off and sort of do a medley of their greatest hits, but but that's exactly what happened. Oh wow. So I think it's they've been reined in a bit now in the in the modern era. Yes, yes. Well, they were expected to be able to improvise. Right. And that's a, a certain kind of improvisation. Well, it's really fun to listen to. Yeah, they're, ha- they're having a good time. And in fact, uh, the doctor will say, no, 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 I don't like this. And the doctor will even take a minute to say, no, I prefer this. Yes, he, he talked about some old-fashioned aria. And, and it was he, interesting because it, it was such a contrast. And he demonstrates, yes, right. yes. So I thought there was some inside joke stuff going on there with audiences or Music. Well, it also feels like the it happens every generation. Oh, your generation's music. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You kids, what are you kids listening to? You're right, you're right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, so he doesn't he doesn't like her opera. So, time for Figaro to show up because it's time for a shave. Ah, yes. <laughs> he's again, he's there to distract Dr. Bartolo and allow the Count, disguised as 
the music teacher to get nearer to Rosina. But then something else happens too. Doesn't the real Don Basilio come in? Well, that's the trouble. First, we have a little bit of time with Figaro, where he's trying to stand between the doctor and the lovers singing so they can communicate with each other more freely. And then Don Basilio shows up totally, possibly totally, blowing the whole cover story of Count Almaviva. They say, oh, you're sick. You shouldn't be out here. And then the Count has to give him one of those little bags of gold. And that persuades him to to exit. But in the production I saw, he dropped one of the gold coins and he sneaks back in the house to get it and then leaves again. I mean, they they really played it up. Milk it. it. Very, very funny. Yeah, it's it's a funny thing when somebody walks in and they say, oh, you look terrible. And, And Figaro says, oh, yeah, you're shaking. Oh, you must have scarlet fever. And they go on and on. And they kind of convince him, kind of, that he's sick. And they also say, here's some money to buy medicine. I think that's what mostly convinced. And meanwhile, Dr. Bartolo is thinking, this is great, it's all working out fine. This Don Alonso is completely on my side, and he knows how to get Rosina to fall out of love with that terrible Count Almaviva, having no idea exactly who he's dealing with. And Figaro, he's right there, and he thinks Figaro's helping as well. Don Basilio! Oh, 
Listening to Opera for Everyone, and we are coming up towards the end of our opera, Barber of Seville by Rossini. 
We've gotten Don Bozilio out of the way for the moment while his pupil, you saw my air quotes, right? While his pupil, Don Alonso, is there to give singing lessons to the lovely Rosina. And they're making their plans, aren't they? While Figaro distracts her, her guardian. While Figaro distracts her guardian, Dr. Bartolo. Yes. So the plan is that they're going to come at midnight and she's managed to get the key to her room from them. Actually, Figaro got the key. Oh, right. When he had to get the linens in order to do the shaving. Dr. Bartolo couldn't decide whether it was more risky to leave them all alone and keep the keys to himself or to give Figaro the keys and let him get the linens so that he could continue to chaperone. Figaro made the most of it, grabbed the keys, And now he's shaving Dr. Bartolo. So Rosina and the Count, disguised as Don Alonso, and Rosina still thinks he's Lindoro. So they make a plan. He says, we're going to come get you at midnight. There'll be a ladder. We'll come into the room and and then we'll escape and we'll elope. And it seems like a good idea. And he, he even says, listen, I need to let you know that sweet letter you gave me I had to give it to Dr. Bartolo to ensure that my disguise would work and he would trust me. Yes, and he, he fell for it, but this backfires a little bit later yes, in the plot. Yes, it certainly does. The servant Berta sings an aria, and time passes, and at the end of her aria, where she's talking about the confusion and noise in the house, Basilio comes back and talks to Bartolo and says, you know, I think that guy is the Count himself. I can no, tell. No, surely not. Yes, I could tell from the bag of money he gave me. <gasps> and this is the thrice disguised Count. Yes. In the, the, as His Don money Alonso. bags gave him away. Money bags gave him away. Don Alonso, the music teacher. Bartolo's in a tough spot. And he has to solve it by saying, well, quick, go get the notary because we've got to make this marriage happen. Right, that night. And Basilio says, but there's a thunderstorm out there. (laughs) Dr. Bartolo is not sympathetic, but he has another objection because the notary is otherwise engaged. Oh yes, the notary is supposedly engaged to write up a marriage contract for the niece of the Barber of Seville. Figaro. Figaro. And Bartolo says, Figaro doesn't have a niece. There's something weird going on here. Things are not what they appear to be. But he says once again, by force or by love, not likely by love, I will have Rosina marry me. So then Rosina enters and Bartolo says, I have a letter mm-hmm. that I got from Count Almaviva and I think that he is toying with you. And she sees the letter that she wrote, which she had given to Lindoro slash the drunken soldier slash <laughs> Don Alonso. Lindoro, the one she thinks she's in love with. She yes. thinks she's in love with him, and so she can't understand how Bartolo has this letter. So then she says, oh, she's so sad that she's been betrayed, and she thinks that her lover is going to just sell her off to the count because of course she doesn't know that they're one and the same so she confesses the plan and 
And she confesses the plan, and he suggests, well, we could get revenge on him by marrying you and I. Yes, well, she says, I think she brings it up, doesn't she? She says, are you still interested yes. in marrying me? She wants vengeance. Yes, vengeance. And she figures she needs to get married, probably, too. So, more confusion. Right, so when she asks Bartolo, do you still want to marry me? Oh, yes, he does. And he doesn't know how he's going to work all this out because of all the problems. So she suggests a way. So she explains that they were planning to elope that night and that they have a key to the balcony door. So he says, lock yourself in your room. And she goes out. And there is a storm raging. Right. And he also explains to her, I'm going to say that these two guys trying to enter the house who've planned to help with the elopement. Oh, that they're robbers. That they're robbers, and I'm going to go get the police. Yes, so we have police coming to the house in the second act as well as the first act. So Figaro and the Count do arrive by ladder. Then the ladder is removed by Bartolo. Oh, no. They're trapped. (laughs) But Rosina stays to confront them, and she says... How could you betray me like this? And I hear you're going to just turn me over to the Count. Yes, you pretended to love so you could sell me to the whims of the vile Count Almaviva. (laughs) Then the Count throws off his cloak and gets down on his knee and reveals his true identity. Because he's bursting with happiness when she is so strong in her pledging of love to Lindoro. Yes, and she is stupefied and joyful. And do we have a song for that? What an unexpected surprise. Oh, 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 oh,
di noi come si fa che avvenne mai la scala ebbene la scala non è più che dici chi mai parla di parla quell'inciampo crudele ne sventurata si zitti sento gente ora ci siamo signor mio che si fa mia rosina coraggio eccoli qua Don Bartolo Don Bartolo Don Basilio e quell'altro bebe il nostro notaro allegramente lasciate parlare signor notaro dove va di mia casa stipular questa sera il contratto di nozze fra il conte della mia e mia nipote gli sposi eccoli qua avete indosso la scrittura oh, benissimo ma piano don Bartolo dov'è ehi don Basilio questo anello è per voi, moglie. Per voi mi sono ancora due palle nel cervello se componete. Voi boh, prendo l'anello, chi firma? Eccoci qua, son testimoni, figa di Don Basilio, essa è mia sposa. Evviva! Oh mio contento, oh sospirata mia felicità. Evviva! Fermi tutti! Eccoli qua! Eccole buone, signore! Signore, son ladri! Arrestate! Arrestate! Mio signore, il suo nome! Il mio nome è quel tu non donore! Il conte d'alma viva io sono! Ma insomma, io ho tutti i torti! <ride> Purtroppo è così. Ma tu briccone, tu pur tradirmi e far da testimonio. Ah, comporto mio, quel signor conte certe ragioni ha in tasca, certi argomenti a cui non si risponde. E Dio bestia solenne, per meglio assicurare il matrimonio, portai via la scala dal balcone. Ecco che fa Inutile precauzione. This is Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And that was a lot of exquisitely beautiful singing. There's a lot going on in the plot of our opera here, too. We've had celebration as the Count reveals himself as the true love of Rosina. And Rosina returns his love now that she actually knows who he is, and everyone's just exuberantly happy. Figaro goes to look at the window to see if they can go ahead and escape and continue on with the elopement, and oh no, within that song, he discovers the ladder has has been taken away. Disaster, he says. Is there any way out of this predicament? Just then, there's a knocking at the door. It seems like it's going to get worse. Oh no. But it's Basilio and the notary, and Figaro realizes, well, this could work. Mm-hmm. And the Count takes Basilio aside and offers him a ring to act as a witness to the marriage, now that they have the notary there. <laughs> because Basilio's loyalty to Bartolo <laughs> only goes just so far. Yes. Basilio's taken money from the Count before. So the Count offers him a ring... And when he seems to hesitate, the Count pulls a gun (laughs) and adds a stick to that carrot. And Basilio wisely agrees to be the witness. 
the second, the second witness. Because yes, Figaro, of course, has been true to himself the whole time. That's right. So quickly, they're married. And Bartello arrives, and it's too late to do anything about it. Oh, no. He's miserable. Oh, he's arriving with the police. He's Right, because he's going on with plan two, or whatever count we are at that point. But the plan where she's still mad about this Lindoro being in cahoots with the Count. And so he shows up with the police to, to claim these two as robbers. Right. And the Count reveals himself and has said, my name is one of honor. I am the husband of this lady. He keeps toying with us about his name, doesn't he? Yes. Arrest him. I'm telling you, he's a robber, says Bartolo. And the Count finally reveals himself to the police that he is the Count. I am Count Almaviva, he says. And Bartolo can't quite come to grips with this idea. No, because he's seen him as a drunken soldier, and he's seen him as Don Alonzo, the music teacher. It just, none of it makes sense to him, because he thinks he's the big shot around there, and he thinks he can use his little key and his locks, and he can control... The beautiful Rosina. But then, in the end, something really lovely happens, and the Count says he does not need Rosina's dowry, and that Bartolo Bartolo wanted in the first place can keep it. So it's kind of like everyone lives happily ever after. Right, and the chorus will chime in. Nothing equals tying two loving hearts together. We have a big happy ending with our marriage for our opera buffa. Oh, and one little last thing about the ladder. They say it was a vain precaution. There we go. We keep getting the vain precaution. And it was in vain. That's the subtitle of the opera, right? That's right. That's right. So let's go out on the final song in our big, beautiful, celebratory happy ending. Patria, thank you so much for joining us on Opera for Everyone. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to another episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Pat Wright, and I was joined today by guest co-host Patria Fossil. If you missed any of today's show, you can find this episode and many others on your favorite podcast app under Opera for Everyone. Opera for Everyone airs every Sunday morning from 9 to 11 Mountain Time on 89.1 KHOL Jackson, Wyoming. Opera can be challenging, but everyone loves a good story, and a story set to music is even better. Our mission is to make opera understandable, accessible, and enjoyable because we believe opera is for everyone.